A couple of things here out of this particular portion of Scripture found in Matthew. The Lord is identified as a teacher. He taught in the synagogues. He preached the gospel of the kingdom, the gospel of salvation. And he healed every sickness and every disease among the people. He taught, he preached, and he healed. And then in the 37th, 38th verse, there is an observation that the Lord looked out upon the congregation, the multitudes of, of people who were there to hear him, who were, who were there to experience the demonstration of God's power through him. He said, the harvest truly is plentiful. There are a lot of needy folks. He said, but the laborers are few, those who go out to work that harvest. He said, therefore pray the Lord of the harvest, that's his heavenly Father, to send out laborers into the harvest. We're going to go to Mark chapter 16, verse number 14. Later he appeared to the eleven as they sat at the table, and he rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. What sounds like just human nature, doesn't it? And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up. That means remove. That does not mean handle, does not mean play with, does not mean bring into the church house. And I'll just make a very broad public statement right quick. Do not bring no snake in this church. Can I get an Amen. We had one snuck in, just a little bitty thing snuck in, and, and brother just stomped it to death out there. Amen. Take up, remove serpents. They drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. So then after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven, sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word through the accompanying signs, amen. Now, Brother Bobby had no idea what I was going to preach on when he prayed this morning. But the more he prayed, the more I thought, Lord, he's, he's fixing to preach my message through that prayer, which is all right. Why? Because out of the mouth of two witnesses, let everything be confirmed. Praise God. And then in Romans chapter 1, and verse number 16, the apostle says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Now you read all that, Brother Andy. What are you trying to get across to us? The message of the church is salvation. Amen. The message of Pentecost is not Pentecost. The message of Pentecost is salvation. When you read Acts chapter 2, the first thing Peter does, he assures all these folks who go, well, we hear all these Galileans with this uh, accent that they have speaking in our languages that we come uh, from, uh, you know, the wonderful works of the Lord. And Peter says, hey, it's all right. This is just a fulfillment of the prophecy of Joel. But as soon as he gets through identifying what had happened, he goes immediately into preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ with boldness. He said, this same Jesus that you have crucified is now Lord and Christ. Amen. The message of the Pentecostal church, not Pentecost, is salvation. And sometimes because the, the, the experience of the baptism in the Holy Spirit 
is such a, a wonderful event and is greatly to be desired, supposed to be among the children of God, that if we're not careful, we will spend too much time speaking, preaching, if you will, on the baptism in the Holy Spirit and not spend enough time preaching the simple gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is how it works. We preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. That salvation has come to man. The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to us and that we can experience salvation through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. We do that, that simple message that we preach, but we do it with a powerful anointing of the Holy Spirit. Well, why do we need the Holy Spirit if we're preaching about salvation because it is only the Spirit of God that can take this gospel and present it to a human being as truth and create a crisis experience in that person's life when they have to fish or cut bait. They have to believe or doubt. They have to accept or reject, but they've got to make a decision. Beloved, there ain't no sitting on this fence. It's either or. When you die, it's either or. There's no purgatory. I don't want to offend any Roman Catholics in the house this morning. There is no purgatory. You die, it's either or. You either saved or you lost. Be saved. We, sh we shared this on, on Wednesday night that people are so stupid that, that the Lord in the book of Deuteronomy says, I set before you life and death. Then he says, choose life. Amen. And I'm, you know, I make some, some pretty... You know, I've, I've crossed some eyes before. But the dumbest people in the world going to hell. You got to be bone. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to share it the way I'm getting it. You got to be bone stupid to die and go to hell. Because Jesus Christ has brought salvation, and you, no matter who you are or what you've done, can be saved. You can be saved. Amen. The devil will say, No, nah, you did all this or you've done that, you're such a bad person. Don't listen to that. Listen to the gospel. You can be saved. Amen. Praise God. If you're concerned about where you're going to spend eternity, and, and some folks, I, I've, I've dealt with this over the years. Oh, Brother Andy, did I blaspheme the Holy Ghost? Do you care about where you're going to spend eternity? Yeah, you ain't blasphemed the Holy Ghost. Amen. That's just the devil trying to keep you from praying. I'm here to tell you this morning that salvation has come in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ and the message to the world is whosoever will, let them come. Praise God. Bring your nasty mess with, bring your sin to the altar. Bring your nasty past to the altar. Bring all your weakness and trouble to the altar and leave it here. Say, Lord Jesus, please save. You know what happens when you pray that and you mean it in your heart when you believe on him? You, when you confess him and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, he's seated at the right hand of the Father, the immediate response from heaven is a dose of salvation. He will forgive you of your sins. Not only that, he will justify you, something that we can't do. I can forgive you. You run over my dog, I can forgive you. Please run over my dog. <laughs> We got a dog just come up at the house. I said, where did you come from? You don't live here. And that's stupid thanks to tenacious. Boy, runs all the deer and turns everything out of the yard. And comes back. Didn't I do good? I said, quit running them deer, stupid dog. You run over my dog, I can forgive you. It's all right. I know it was an accident. You know what I can't do? I can't justify you. I can't create a situation where it is just as if 
you had never run over my dog. The thing about what people don't, we, we do not stress the wonder of salvation. That he is able to justify you and put you in a legal standing before the throne of God. Do you want liberty this morning? Get a hold of this. Just as if you had never sinned once in your life. Only Jesus can do that. Only the grace of God can do that. It is the salvation message that we declare. That this same Jesus, the angels told him on the Mount of Olives that went away, it's coming back. And if you don't live to make the resurrection, as far as the catching away of the saints are concerned, if you go by the way of death, you get to go to heaven. See, we all tore up about dying. Oh, Lord, brother, you know, and I know I, I aggravate some folks. I know I'm annoying about that. Brother, I wish you wouldn't talk so much about dying. You're going to die. You're going to die. I'm going to die. We all going to die. Now, I remember Sister Bowling, Lord Lover. I ain't a dying, I'm going in a rapture. She had her mind made up. You know what happened when Eileen Bowling died? The angels came and took her to heaven. <laughs> and I believe she forgave the Lord. <laughs> Glory, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. Amen. I believe she forgave him for not coming before she left this world through death. The salvation message is this is not the end, folks. This mortal body that we inhabit is not the end. Because of sin, it's going to grow old. It's going to age. You can't fight it. It's going to happen. You're going to get old. Old Brother Andy, preach me happy. If you live long enough, you're going to get old and die. But if you're a child of God, when you do, you're going to heaven and you're going to receive a glorified body that will never age, never get sick, never hurt. You won't have to wrestle with the desires of the flesh when you get there. We believe in salvation by grace, the unmerited favor of God. There's nothing you can do to earn it. You can't be good enough. You can't live a good enough life. You can't help enough old people across the street. You can't give enough money to charity. People think that's going to get them in. You know what happens to those folks? There is a judgment. The Lord says, okay, let's look at all the good things that you did in your life that you're depending upon me to grant you salvation because you did those things. Yeah, I give money to this, and, you know, and I help the other, and I sweet, and all right, you know, and I love my wife, and I didn't kick my dog, and, you know, all this other good stuff. And, but the problem with that is it must be compared to Jesus on the cross. And we fail miserably. Because there ain't nothing as holy as Jesus on that cross. Amen. Shedding his blood. I say, Father, it's finished. Into your hands I commend my spirit. Salvation. The message of the church is salvation. Amen. I've, I've talked to the guy. We say, man, them folks down the, down the street are getting folks saved. I say, are you preaching salvation? Amen. Maybe went back to preaching salvation with such an intensity and fervor. I'm talking about just a simple message. Praise God. We see more folks getting saved. I want to see folks getting saved. Amen. I want to be saved. Nothing else, if they ain't saved, nothing else matters. Amen. Praise God. Let's press on. Because these two first subjects are connected. Matthew 4 and 3. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. Then his fame 
went throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments, those who were demon-possessed, epileptics and paralytics. People couldn't walk. And the Bible says he healed them. Everyone. He healed them. Multitudes, thousands upon thousands came to wherever they could find Jesus. And how was this accomplished? We've got so many efforts in the, quote, church world today to get folks into our churches. Let's do this. Let's do that. Let's do the other. And folks have various reasons for going to church. I remember one time I was at a, uh, at a funeral, and I, was at, and I wasn't preaching the funeral. I was there just in attendance, and I was sitting at the end of the, of the pew, and I overheard a conversation between this guy. If I called his name, many of you would know him. But he said, we go to such and such church, they've got the best singing. And I thought, how sad. You go to such and such church because they got the best singing? You ain't been to our church. We got the best singing. Amen. We got the best singing. If that's your criteria for attending a house of worship, man, you missed it because we got the best singing. Praise God. We got the best band. We got the best musicians. We got the best singing. You know why? Because the Holy Ghost gave out a message in tongues a long time ago and said, you will be the head, not the tail. Amen. And that's been it ever since. Praise the Lord. How did Jesus attract such a multitude when he did not have a wireless microphone, he didn't have a PA system, he did not have a gospel quartet or a praise ensemble, he didn't have a band, he didn't have first guitar, banjo, or set of drums, he didn't even have a silver eagle bus to ride around the country in. And he wasn't on TV. How in the world did he accomplish in gathering such multitudes of people to wherever he was? I'm, I'm fixing to share Hold on to your pew. He healed everybody who come up needed healing. He healed them. And it, 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 nobody put it in the paper. There wasn't a TV to run an ad on. But by word of mouth, it began to go across the, the countryside and in the towns and everywhere. There is a rabbi from Nazareth of, Judea, of Galilee. And if you go to his meeting and you're sick, he'll heal you. Praise God. There is a connection between the message of salvation and healing of the sick. They go together. We could do a lot. I've shared this with you over the years. We could put on a dog and pony show. We could do all these other, you know, manipulative acts in order to try to entice, beg folks to come into church. Let there be healing in the house. This place won't hold them. Amen? Let there be healing in the house. That ministry center won't hold them. Let there be healing in the house. We'll have to put up a tent on the North 40, and we still won't be able to hold them. Amen? Y'all, for those of you who are, are, are old as dirt like I am, and you remember Earl Roberts on TV back in the 50s before he lost it? You can lose it. He had it. He gave it away. That's not a judgment on him. I believe he's in heaven today. But, beloved, there ain't nothing that appeals to me more than seeing Jesus Christ heal somebody that's sick. You want to know what my definition of a spiritual high is? Let somebody come in here in a wheelchair and let the saints of God pray for them. Let the Spirit of God move on them. Let Jesus heal them and let them walk out of here and leave the wheelchair. 
Praise God. That's my definition of a successful worship service. Praise God. Amen. Sometimes it happens after the service. Brother Marvin can say amen. Lord touched him. It was, we was all through. We was all done. Ain't we done? We just, I know I throw the word stupid around. I guess that's my word. But we're stupid thinking God's done just because we dismissed. May the Lord bless each and every one of you as you go your separate ways. I'm sure that the Lord is not going to do anything else tonight. And I'm standing back there talking to somebody, and all of a sudden Sister Maddie, boy, she lets out a scream and does one of these Holy Ghost twirls. Here comes Brother Marvin. After church was over, well, why would the Lord do that and not include me? But he done it. Amen. You know what I say? Do it again. Hallelujah. Do it again. Bring it on. Praise God. Let there be healing in the house of the Lord. We got folks now in the hospital. The doctors don't know what's wrong with them. They've run all the tests. They've consulted, you know, all of the, the medical books. And, man, we don't know what's going on with that person. I have good news for you. The Lord God Almighty knows exactly what needs to be done. And there is power in the name of Jesus to heal. Praise God. I don't know why we're so timid about that. Well, what if they don't get healed? That's not my fault. Amen. I shouldn't feel any, you know. Some were healed, some were healed as they went. Some recover. The Bible says we'll anoint them with oil, pray the prayer of faith, they'll recover. I'm not going to give up on it just because for whatever reason, which, you know, God don't, inf you know that the Lord don't check in with me before he does stuff. I've always wondered why he didn't do that. I'm going to preach it anyway. We're going to pray for the sick anyway. And we're going to pray for the sick, and no matter what condition the sick may be, if they have to be wheeled in, I say wheel them in. Praise God. We are not to be intimidated by the degree of somebody's suffering because it is not in our power. Amen. Peter and John, when they went into the temple, and, and the Lord healed that lame man, and everybody's looking at them, woo-wee, they've got to get them on TBN. What was their response? Don't look at us. I didn't heal him. You know who healed him? The Jesus you crucified healed him. You know why? Because he's alive from the dead. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. And I ain't got no money, but just a few days ago, I was in the upper room and I was baptized in the Holy Ghost. Praise God. God gave me something I can share with others. What did he say? Silver and gold have I none, but that which I do have, that which I do possess, I'll give to you. The name of Jesus, hallelujah, rise up and walk. And the man leapt to his feet. Then people looking at them like they done it, man. They, uh, they were straight up. Well, I didn't do that. Don't look at me as if somehow our holiness accomplished this. No, no. We give all the praise to the Lord. Amen. Because I, I done told this church, for those of you visiting with this morning, anybody starts that mess with me, I'll, I'll make you spend a week with me. And at the end of that week, you're going, oh, Brother Andy is a good old boy, but he ain't God. Amen. Or to cut it to the chase, you can just have a conversation with my wife. She'll say, nope, he's not. Amen. Acts chapter 4. No, wait. Luke 9. 
Then he called his 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. He sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He sent them to what? To preach and to heal. And he said to them, Take nothing for the journey, neither staff nor bag nor bread for money, and do not have two tunics apiece. Whatever house you enter, stay there and from there depart. Whatever, and whoever will not receive you when you go out of that city, shake off the very dust from your feet as a testimony against him. There's some people don't want it. You don't, you don't press it on somebody that don't want it. Verse 6, so they departed and went through the towns preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. They departed, they preached the gospel, and they laid hands, and the Lord healed the folks they laid their hands on. Now, the, now if we're not careful. As we read this text, it would appear, oh, they healed. No, they didn't. Man don't heal. Jesus heals. He's the healer. Praise God. Then Acts 4 and 29. Now, I, I, this is the one I really appreciate. After old Peter's been let out of prison by the angels, and he's at the church, been praying for him. And at the end of their meeting, this is what he says. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, they got together, they prayed this prayer. The place where they were assembled together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. I believe that the Lord was pleased with that prayer. Grant us boldness to preach your word. Stretch out your hand to heal. Amen. Let us preach the word of God with boldness, but let us not be timid in praying for those who are sick. They, a lot of sick people, would love to be healed. Amen. You know what's better than, a, than an ad on the radio, than a commercial on the TV, or than a billboard? Well, I looked at some of them billboards. I asked Dorothy one time, I said, baby, I said, you reckon mean you look good on one of them billboards? I said, put that stick down. I ain't going to do that. More than a billboard is somebody telling somebody, hey, man, boy, you look a lot better than you did. That doctor must have, no, 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 no. I went to church. I was the sickest four dogs. I went to church. I didn't know what else to do. I went to church, and them folks invited me to come up to the front, and they slapped that oil on me, and them folks started praying for me, and some of them started praying. I didn't know what they were saying. But I know this. All of a sudden, I felt something from the top of my head go down to the sole of my feet like sweet honey. <laughs> Woo! And when they folks got through, I wasn't hurting anymore. Praise God, I could breathe. I could move. I was healed, and I knew it. Amen. And then they told me that it was Jesus who healed me. And then they told me this same Jesus that healed me would save me. And something happened in my mind when they said that, that I, I understood it was true. And I said, Lord Jesus, please save me. And the fellow said, well, I wonder why you didn't have a beer in your hand because you've always had a beer in your hand ever since I've known you. I don't drink beer no more. Well, you got a cigarette on you, I'm out. I ain't got none. I don't do that either. Well, what about going down? No, no, I don't mess around either. You don't do none of that? Mm-mm. Since when? Since that Sunday morning, Jesus saved and healed me. 
You know that stuff? I just don't have an appeal for that anymore. There's something that has happened in my... And man, you've changed. Woo! Man, you changed. Hallelujah! Yeah, I have. I've changed. I'm talking about you go back to work Monday morning and the person you work with comes up, hey, have you heard the one about such and such? No, I haven't and I don't want to. Well, you wanted to Friday. Well, I don't want, I don't want to Monday. Well, what happened to you? Praise God, Sunday morning happened to me. You're looking at a different man. I'm not the same person I was when I left this meal Friday afternoon. I went to the house of God Sunday morning and the Lord got a hold of me. And you can have all that junk. I don't live that way anymore. And that's not being egotistical or boastful. That's just telling the truth that there is power in the name of Jesus to heal, to save to the uttermost. And you know what, folks? Nothing can replace that. What are we going to replace that with? Entertainment? Let's just paint the ceiling black and get us some of them lights and we'll dazzle folks with our... Woo! Lord, I felt the Holy Ghost. Listen, do you think special effects are going to replace the presence of the Spirit of Almighty God to do what only God can do? Have we got so dumb in the church world that we think anything else can replace the present ministry of the Spirit of Almighty God in the church? Nothing can replace him. Why do you think Jesus said, tarry in Jerusalem? Now to put it in our vernacular, he went like this. All right, boys, y'all don't do nothing. Don't do nothing. Y'all go to Jerusalem and wait. Hey, Peter, I said don't, especially you, don't do nothing. Keep your mouth shut. Don't do nothing. Go to Jerusalem and wait. Because if you do anything now, all you're going to do is mess up. Go to Jerusalem and wait until you receive the promise of the comforter. And then when that happens, well, I won't have to tell you what to do. You'll know. This same spirit will guide you. This same spirit will teach you. And this same spirit will perform wonders in, with, and through you ministering to other folks. Here's my third point. I'm not going to go. i got a bunch of scriptures for you. Why are you alive? Who are you and why are you here? You ever wondered that? I did when I was a kid a lot. I get this odd feeling. I remember one time, I don't know, you know, I do remember what I ate yesterday. But I don't remember what I ate day before yesterday. But I remember being a kid walking down old dirt driveway in Happy Valley, Melissa. And just a kid, and all of a sudden it occurred to me, why am I alive? Why am I here? You know? And I get this odd feeling, and I, I have to shake it off, you know, and, and kind of think about something else. Why are you here? Who are you and why are you here? And what difference does it make if you're here or not? And where are you going when here ends? What is the purpose of your life? If you're not a child of God, your life has no purpose. Mr. Carnegie made millions of dollars. Commodore Vanderbilt, all of y'all college football, but Vanderbilt is more than just an SEC school that has a bad football team. 
You know, Vanderbilt's named after Commodore Vanderbilt, who was a very rich man. Howard Hughes, billionaire. They're all dead. And what difference does it make that they ever lived? You know what the purpose is for the life of mankind? My wife and my sisters-in-law sing it. It's an old song. And they've been singing it ever since I've been known. I was born to serve the Lord. I was born to serve the Lord. The society in which we live presents to us many standards of success that is claimed that if you will achieve this, you will have fulfillment and satisfaction in your life. I'm here to tell you that's a bald-faced lie. The only way you're ever going to experience fulfillment and satisfaction in this life is finding your place in the body of Christ and doing the work he's given you to do. That's it. It doesn't matter how much fame you garner, how many awards are, are lavished on you, how good you get at what you do. Nothing else matters than as a child of God, Lord, I want to know my place in the body of Christ. I want to feel that place. I want to do and be who you want me to be. I surrender my will to you. And as Jesus prayed in the garden of crushing, garden of Gethsemane, Father, not my will, but your will be done. I'm not saying you're going to be famous. I'm not saying it's going to make you rich. What I am saying is this, that if you will do that, if you will pursue the will of God in your life, you will experience a fruitful life. You will experience a fulfilled life. You will be satisfied. Amen. Yeah, but so-and-so's got all, it doesn't matter what anybody else has. You will be satisfied. You know what you'll experience? The Bible clearly spells it out. There is a peace that passes all understanding. How can you be content? Praise God. We live in a sin-cursed world and bad things happen to good people. How in the world can you deal with it when it comes to your doorstep? We know what that is in this congregation. Twelve years ago, this was the longest day of my life. Got a phone call from my son who worked at the jail. Been a wreck. TJ and Luke and Zach are in the car. Five people in the car. Two of them are dead. You just do the math. By the time I got down to the hospital, our Luke had gone to be with the Lord. Y'all know what that is. When the unfairness of a sin-cursed world reaches up and slaps you on both sides of the face and knocks you numb, when something is so terrible that it completely overwhelms you, and that world has nowhere to run to, I had an hour's sleep before I got up. I came home from the hospital, lay down for an hour, got up, come in this church building, have Sunday morning service. We didn't have Sunday morning service like this. We just prayed. I'm telling you, there is God who loves you and whose power is able. There is a bomb in Gilead. 
Glory to God. Hallelujah. <laughs> How do you deal with that? How do you deal with that pain, man? How do you deal with that loss? How do you deal with what you're suffering on the inside? How, how can you even come to grips with that? Well, it's in that old song that I sang, and I can't sing. But some glad morning, we will see Jesus in the air coming after you and me. What joy is ours to share? Praise God. Hallelujah. Who's going to be there? Luke. Luke's body died. Luke Grogan's alive. My God, you hear that? I told you, Luke Grogan is alive. Kevin Hunter's alive. He's not dead body died. He's alive. He's in the presence of the Lord. I have a reason to make heaven my home. Praise God. I have loved ones already over there on the other side. I am ready to go see them. I'm looking forward to that great reunion day. People don't know who Jesus is. He is going to preside over the greatest reunion celebration ever. Amen. We don't dwell on that like we, we let this junk in the world mess us up. Y'all got a mom and daddy. Amen. <laughs> Woo. I remember when he was standing right there. And you know what happened to him? Jesus saved that man. Praise God. <laughs> Glory. He went on before your mama did. You know what happened? His body dropped in that mill. He's not dead. He's alive. He's in the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. You'll get to see him again. Amen. We are all know it's over. It ain't over. It's not over. It's not over. Praise God. We have a reason to live. And we have a holy God to serve. With whatever time we've got left, let us serve him. Amen. What does Romans says? Let us present our bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, so that we may prove what his will is. He wants to put us on display. Amen. Oh, he can't do that with me, brother. I, I've, no, he does. I'm addicted. He's a deliverer. Ha! Woo! But then I'm addicted. You see these commercials? Have a 12-step program. Face 12 steps between where you are and altar of prayer. I'd agree with that. But if there's only one step between where you are and altar of prayer, I have good news for you. You don't have to worry about the other 11. All you have to do is make a step toward Jesus. Ha! Glory to God. They, I'm telling you, I've seen folks, they were, they were saved by the second step they took out of the aisle, out of the pew into the aisle. They were saved before they ever got into this altar to, to vocalize that prayer. They had already turned their heart toward the Lord. And when you do that, he'll save you. He'll forgive you. Amen. He'll heal you. Now, that, that, that's my fellow that, that takes too much medicine. And I agree with, with an old evangelist years ago who said, look, don't stop going to the doctor. Go back. He'll be the first one to tell you Jesus healed you. He'll say, my, these test results aren't like they were. Or he'll look at the x-ray and say, there was a tumor there last week. I know because I got the x-ray right here. There's a tumor, and there ain't no tumor. There's a tumor. There ain't no tumor. Tumor, no tumor. Tumor, clear. Tumor, 
you know, and it, it messes with them. Because somebody told them they were the only folks that could affect a cure. But I have news for them. I know of a lady who went to every doctor in town and spent all of her money. She was broke as a convict. Ha! But somebody through word of mouth told her about this rabbi from Nazareth. Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Oh, yes. Praise God. Do what? There's a rabbi from Nazareth. In the Hebrew's name, Yeshua, Jesus. Well, what about him? He's been healing everywhere he goes. People get healed. They get healed. Yeah, everywhere he goes, he's healing folks right and left, lame or walking, blind or seeing. I mean, you just name it. Man, people running around shouting, praising God. Everywhere, everywhere he goes, he's healing folks. And he's coming to town. He is, yeah. You see that big crowd? That's him. Kind of in the middle at the front. People all around him. If you can get to him, I believe he can heal you. That woman said, I'll get to him, I have to crawl on my hands and knees, which is exactly what she did. We're too proud, folks. You know why we're too proud? I'm trying to land this plane. Because we care too much about what people say about us. We're too concerned with the opinion of people that wouldn't throw water on us if we was on fire. But we care what they think. We want to be esteemed in their eyes. If we get to the place where we don't, it, it really doesn't matter what we do, as long as, as we get to the Lord and touch the hem of his garment, amen, that woman wasn't too proud to crawl. She had to elbow her way through a crowd, and then she found herself on her hands and knees, and in that last lunge, she reaches up and just barely tips the bottom of his robe. <laughs> Woo! But when she did, she felt it all through her body. She knew she was healed. Jesus stops everything, looks at Peter and says, Hey, who touched me? Peter said, Who touched you? There's 10,000 people around you, Master. And you ask, Who touched you? The Lord said, Wait a minute. I felt power, virtue flow through me. Woo! Somebody not only touched me, somebody touched me that believed. Somebody touched me who was expected. That little old woman, Lord lover, all them people. It was me. Was you? It was me. <laughs> I'm not bleeding anymore. I don't feel bad anymore. I touched you. And I was healed. Praise God. You know what that woman was thinking when that happened? Surely he is the son of God. <laughs> Woo! Nobody else does what he does. And now we have been given the great commission to go forth. We ain't Jesus, but we represent him. We're not Jesus, but he has instructed us to pray for the sick. Go to the book of James. Anyone sick among you? And this is in the church context. Jesus has already been uh, raised at the right hand of the Father. Any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. Why do I call for the, the men to come down and pray? Well, there's two reasons. One of them is a few years ago, the Lord told me, son, you're going to have to back up. He said, you are doing too much. And I thought, what do you mean by that? He said, he said I want everybody in my family to participate. And you're doing too much. Don't you back up? Call those men. You ain't going to heal them anyway. 
Amen. Call, let, let the men leadership of the church come down. Let them anoint them with oil. I'll, I'll hear their prayer. I'll, I'll do the work through their prayers. And I understand why he did that because too many Pentecostal preachers have messed themselves up because they got an ego and thought, well, it's me. Well, it's not. It's Jesus. Amen. <laughs> Glory to God. Lord spoke to me one second thing. The word of God said, call for the elders of the church. Let them anoint with oil of the prayer of faith. Amen. Go forward. Lord said, they'll recover. I'll heal them. And here's the good news that we don't, you know, we read that uh, verse and we never spend no time on this. And if they have committed any sins, they'll be forgiven them. Boy, that's a bonus, isn't it? That the Lord not only heal you, and in the same moment that he heals you, he'll forgive you. Ain't nobody like Jesus. Praise God. And it is our responsibility, no matter where you stand in society, no matter what your job is, your last name is, or nothing, that we as the children of God say, yes, Lord, I want to feel and find my place and fill it in the body of Christ. And no matter what that work is, I want to do it for the glory of God. And when that happens, you will find that you can deal when your football team loses the Super Bowl like mine did just two years ago. You can deal with it when the Atlanta Braves stink again after all them years of winning, record-setting. Because you know what? You'll find out that stuff just ain't as important to you as maybe you thought it was at one time. Your priorities get shifted. They're rearranged. They're set in scriptural order. And it comes to the fact that you know what? What I... What, what I desire more than anything else is for the will of God to be done in my life and in my church. Stand to your feet. He's through with me.